Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Friday, February the 26th, 2016, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. We would love to hear your comments and your questions, because then that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. And we are honored for each of you that chooses to join us every day that you choose to join us as we bring forward these ancient Aramaic ideas and this ancient Aramaic technology that is just so many light years ahead of what's being done on the planet currently in virtually every field. When you look at this idea of healing as it comes out of the ancient Aramaic and the understanding of physics, of physiology, of psychology, of neuropsychology, of genetics, and how we are impacted by each of those energetic dynamics from each of those fields coming into an understanding of how it actually works within our lives is just the most amazing thing that we could imagine. And we are privileged to have had the opportunity to be with the first century Aramaic words of Yeshua that uh, just have such a, a depth of comprehension. That, you know, and especially each time I teach laws of living, I just get a whole new appreciation for what was put together 2,000 years ago that by and large, because the world is so ignorant of the principles of healing and of physics, that... Uh, they diss and laugh and put down what was put together 2,000 years ago as though in many circles it's some kind of a primitive, silly, out back, backwards kind of thinking. And yet the depth of understanding is so monumental and the changes when you engage in the tools that were taught in the Aramaic now, if you come to the Greek uh, interpretation of those tools. Yeah, some of it's pretty primitive and pretty silly. But once you get to the Aramaic, and I feel so privileged to have gotten to work with the first century meanings of the words of Yeshua to be able to comprehend their actual application where we live, that it's just uh, it's it's hugely impactful. 
and watching the impact on people's lives and the shifts and changes that take place is just uh, such an honor and a privilege. So we're here to support you in having the uh, the opportunity to experience that as well and uh, to go to depth. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard for somebody to comprehend the depth that uh, things go to when a group of people come together to to create an intensified study such as we're doing with this 16-day laws of living and the comprehension that's moving around the room, the levels of support, the space that's being created is just uh, such a gift. And so we are going to do our best in this show, as we always do, to create that space and that level of understanding that leads to so there's a certain set of words that in the ancient Aramaic was was translated by the Greeks as the kingdom of heaven, nothing to do with something off in space somewhere or after people die, but rather, if you listen to Yeshua, he said that kingdom is here and now, and it more literally translates the community of love and how this community of love is developing, how people are handling things like fear and rage and guilt and grief and pain and creating a space that's safe enough for all of those things to surface so they can be worked through. It's really quite a privilege and quite an honor to participate in that process. So we are almost, oh, we're nearing the halfway point in the 16-day laws of living. And uh, we actually just started uh, session four this morning out of eight sessions. And I know Rex is out there. I'm remembering, as, as I remember correctly, I believe Rex, when you did it in the prison, it ended up being a 12-month or an 18-month process. Uh, of course, it was designed to be eight weeks, done once a week over a period of eight weeks. And uh, yesterday afternoon, as, uh, as everybody was looking at reading the essay, we kind of reviewed some of the material from the essay. And it was just like, well, everybody, you see how this could easily be a, a five-year course, a two-year course, that you could literally intensively spend full time just getting to to the depth of understanding that's there. So it's nice to uh, to be able to share a little bit of the energy of that group with you, and it's nice to be here to uh, to be on your support team as we create the space for a global community of love that wants to tap into the ancient Aramaic principles and processes of, of self-healing and moving into deeper and deeper relationship with the truth of who we are. And the, the starting point for this work is hold a newborn child. You know who you are. That's where you started. That's where you're designed to live. And if somebody took it away from you, if you gave it up, if you yielded that, if you fell into identification with the self that's different than that awesome, sweet presence of love, then we're here to support you dismantling, forgiving, that is removing that self, which is not perhaps so sweet and loving and going back to a true experience of who you are. And basic bottom line of the whole game is you are that sweet space of love. That's who you are. And I don't care if you're the biggest, baddest, you know, uh, most criminal, you're in there for life. <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter. We're all the same. We all start out the same. Different degrees of pain and trauma that leads to different degrees of insanity. And in this work, we define insanity as anyone who's living without a human life. Anyone who does not have the active presence of love in their minds is insane. And I think by that definition, we see that much of the world is pretty insane, pretty bizarre. 
you know, just listen to a debate and, and let's see how much human life you see. And uh, you can see that it's pretty much void. How would our political process be if everybody first had to step up to the plate and document that they had a human life, that they functioned of and out of and as the awesome presence of love that we are each designed to be? How much different could the game be? How much... Uh, how much more caring, gentle, and respectful would the world be if we moved into that space? And so we're here to bring forward the tools of forgiveness and the whole set of corollary tools that we worked on developing over the last 45-plus years and bringing forward these Aramaic ideas, and we're honored that you're here. Jeannie, is Dr. Tim with us today? Well, let's say hello. How is Dr. Tim, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you. Awesome. Anything exciting happening in your uh, neck of the woods besides snow, I hear? Well, we don't have any snow now and may not have any for a while, but we did have a support group last night. Oh, cool. And we had one, two, three, four people plus me who decided to spend the night supporting each other lovingly and removing all those false vestiges of things other than our true nature is love. And it's just, you know, I've run out of words. I just keep repeating the same words. It's the highest honor to be able to participate in that. And um, it was another night of... um, hearing Guy Finley say the same thing Michael Rice says over and over and over again. And last night, his lecture, at one point I stopped it and said, so do we see here how what Guy is saying is exactly the key point of the three earliest memories of conflict, that I have this false set of beliefs in me that just, I don't even know they're there, but every time a negative reaction comes up, it tells me, I know how the world's supposed to work. It's supposed to be different than this. It's supposed to be scary. It's supposed to be whatever. And that runs my behavior and my reactions in the moment. And so most of the people in the room said, yep, we see it. It's the same stuff. And so we had a very uh, potent discussion about the worksheet process and how people are stuck at different times and the power that gradually builds in my ability to get um, an effect when I say I cancel this or I cancel that, and that when I first start that process and I do the verbal cancellation, I'm not really used to it, and it may not have all that much effect, or I might say it with tongue-in-cheek, and another part of me really wants to hold on to the goal. But over time, if I practice that, I get better and better at, I I kind of strengthen the spiritual muscle of being able to cancel a goal and release and let go my attachments to the outcome and actually ask with a willingness to hear from some source other than my conscious awareness a different perspective on this position, on this situation. And when I do that, and I keep practicing it, it pays huge dividends. So 
So that's the summation of our group last night, and it was just a delight to be a part of it. And and I thank you for this process and for this radio show to support that process. And I thank all the people who show up to make a difference in their lives by participating in that group. Awesome. Any words from Dave and how he's doing? I spoke to him yesterday, and he's healing well and looking forward to more good reports from the doctors as they come in. And good. He was in, in good voice. Fabulous. That's awesome. Well, you, you trigger when you talk about this uh, skill of canceling and how, uh, you know, the fact that the, uh, the world hardly has ever referred to such a thing, at least in my experience, until it came across the original Aramaic Yeshua, and that what we've just finished covering in the uh, in the Laws of Living class is there's a, a worksheet called the Mind Goal Management Sheet that we teach in the Getting Distress You Need workshop, and recognizing that uh, every time we set a goal, we create a stress. That's the basic cause of stress, and that stress is absolutely desirable. Without it, we'd be dead. And that there are there's a spiritual faculty called will that is designed to manage the mind, and that the mind is managed through indirection. You know, you'll hear somebody say, "Oh, I'm feeling very whatever badly or what have you," and somebody will say, "Well, just stop feeling that way," as though you could tell your mind to stop doing something. And because the mind is operated through indirection, telling it to stop doing something doesn't work too well. And then recognizing that these, this spiritual faculty of will is designed to manage the mind. And we cover in Laws of Living the five things that will can do in managing the mind. And one of them is that it can frame a goal. One of them is it can select a goal for immediate attention. It can set a goal. It can cancel a goal. Or it can maintain a goal. And these are faculties that if practice strengthened the faculty of will. And when we see someone come to an intensive that has a, a, a challenge in the arena of will, it's, it's interesting to hear how people will talk about, oh, yes, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it, man, am I ever, this is great, I'm going to do this. But when the faculty of will is a challenge, it's just when it comes down to actually doing it, there's no ability to manage one's own mind and follow through with one, what one says they're going to do. So, you know, for folks who find that, gee, you know, I, I have all the greatest intentions in the world. I really want to do this, but, you know, when it comes right down to it, it just doesn't happen. It's because of that feel, that will faculty. And so that's one of the things we've been working with folks in the intensive and strengthening and practicing. The person who comes that has a really high score in the uh, arena of will, uh, we get to see them all the time, and uh, they say, I'm going to do this, and the next thing you know, it's done. The person who says, I'm going to do this, but has a poor score on use of will, I'm going to do this, so, well, I'm going to do this. Yeah, you know, I'm really going to do this. <laughs> I am going to do this, and it just doesn't happen. So the exercising of all five things that will can do, and that's, you know, three of those things are are laid out in the Mind Goal Management Sheet, which, of course, you can go to the uh, worksheets to print and download and uh, and look at that Mind Goal Management Sheet. 
it goes hand in hand with getting the stress you need, and uh, it's a way to practice and strengthen will. And over the years, it's it's fun to watch somebody who comes with a, a challenge in that arena and says, "Okay, give me the tool. Give me this. What do I need to do to clean this one up?" And then, you know, you just watch them. You see them a year or two later, and they're just on it. They're you know, they manage their minds, and instead of their minds managing them, instead of procrastination or whatever, they just follow right through and do it. So it's uh, it's cool to see that um, that awareness of will, and then the strengthening of will. And one of the, the things that comes to mind in the, in that arena, where you wouldn't have a, a clue that Yeshua was treat, teaching stress management two thousand years ago and that he was teaching people how to utilize their will. But you'll hear Yeshua saying, as the Greeks translated, you know, take not thought for tomorrow, but sufficient for the day are the evils thereof. You look at that from the Greek translation, it's like, what does that mean? And what Yeshua is teaching there is precisely how to maintain the resources of the mind so that they're available to run your life. And people who, you know, have goals, you know, the average person goes to a goal-setting workshop and they're taught to set their daily, weekly, monthly, you know, five-year, 10-year, 20-year, 50-year lifetime goals uh, are so overloaded with stress and have no idea why. You know, the biggest complaint with uh, people going to the doctor today is stress, you know, we're overstressed. And yet, very rarely will you find the awareness that stress is caused by setting goals and stress is alleviated by either achieving or canceling those goals. And what Yeshua was saying when he says, take not thought for tomorrow, he's like, don't set any goals for tomorrow. Sufficient for the day are the evils. And that word can be is properly translated from the Aramaic as the incomplete projects thereof. The word means unripened or incomplete. And so you don't, set any goals for more than the next waking period, keeps your stress at manageable levels, and you have full resources available to you to actually follow through and do the things you say that you want to do. And so the, the practices that come with the tools and uh, and watching the changes in people's lives in each of those arenas is a pretty awesome and amazing thing. Fun to watch and uh, exciting to watch, just to see those um, those tools being used and put to work in people's lives. Very cool. So, Jeannie, anything happening in the chat room or anybody with a hand up? Nobody's asking any questions and their hands up. All is quiet on the home front. So, if you are in the phone queue and any of that conversation about stress tweaks anything for you, we would love to hear from you. Which one, if you're in the phone queue, that'll raise your hand, and we're here to answer questions to support you or to deepen your understanding of the tools. If you're on one of those stations where we can't uh, see you in our control panel, our call-in number is 646-200-4169. We would love to hear your voice, and we'd love to offer whatever support we can in the arenas that perhaps are a challenge in your life. So push one, and you're in the phone queue without any way. And sometimes I find people are sort of shy, you know, my voice is going to be shaky, I'm not sure I can be on the phone. And If that's true for you, we'll just invite you to let go of that thought. And you know, if your voice is shaky, let it be shaky, that's okay. 
It's no big deal. And ask your question. How can we support you? Questions really are the thing that make the show really alive. And as Jeannie says when she introduces it, makes it yours because you're going to direct the uh, the flow of the information by the questions that you ask. So how can we support you? 646-200-4169. Press 1 if you're in the phone queue. Put your hand up. If you're in the um, the control panel or the uh, chat room and you can't chat, it's because you don't have a membership yet with Blog Talk. And it's really simple. Just register for that they, to keep your email address private and they don't spam you. And uh, it'll allow you to ask questions in the chat room so you can type them into the control panel. So anything else exciting happening that you're seeing in uh, in practice, Tim? Anything today that uh, looks like a theme that you often bring to us? Well, I think the um, the biggest theme right now is for people who are just slowly awaking to awareness that they're causing their own upset. And interesting to me, I remember when this was happening to me, I would get excited about the fact that a worksheet would work for me, and then I would forget that the worksheets can work for me, and then I'd get all tied in knots about something. And then someone would say, well, have you done a worksheet, or did you breathe or tap on this? And I would slowly come back to the process, and I'd rediscover it all over again. And that's what's been happening with several people that I work with individually is that they are running into things between sessions and getting all bent out of shape and worked up and coming in and saying, you know, I just don't get it. I, you know, we were talking about this and it worked so well before, but, well, did you do a worksheet on this? Well, no. Okay, well, let's step through that process. And then they're shocked to realize it worked again. And, uh, you know, I had somebody say, well, I already did a worksheet, meaning one worksheet in a session on an entirely different issue. And they didn't even realize it until after they said it. And then they started laughing and said, oh, so uh, I can't just do one worksheet on one issue and have it wipe out all of my upset. And uh, we had a good chuckle over that because they realized when they said it how silly it was. But the the conditioning is so strong to believe that what's causing my upset is outside of me that it takes quite a bit of work for most of us to reverse that conditioning. So that's the pattern. And, you know, we have had mutual friends who have, and I've had a lot of people who come into the group and, and and they'll just get very defensive about being able or wanting to hold on to their anger. Their anger protects them. Their anger is driving their creativity. Their anger is a necessary survival skill, et cetera. And that's another thing that blocks people from being willing to do a worksheet because in the worksheet process, I'm basically surrendering. And, you know, I talked about this, I don't know how long ago in one of the radio shows when you weren't here, it tapped into right. how, how you talk about surrender. We're always surrendering to one thing or another, but we've been conditioned not to surrender to the 
situation that we're supposed to fight. And what we don't understand in that process is we're surrendering to anger or fear. And that's driving our behavior and is usually not, well, yeah, is usually very ignorant. It's It's got a zero IQ. You know, Guy Finley said the other day in a talk I listened to, negativity has zero intelligence. Negativity indicates absolute zero intelligence every time it comes up in me. Well, I'm in, I'm in full accord with that, and, you know, it's it's amazing how people can make excuses for holding on to their anger, their rage, what have you, and and yet, you know, when uh, when we're doing uh, the why workshop, of course, we ask Jeannie usually opens it with the question of how many have ever done something they regret, and then we get people to, you know, to shout out, oh, what were you feeling when you did something you regretted, and a hundred percent of the time, it's some form of hostility or fear. And yet people still proclaim, though they did what they regretted in that hostile state, that their hostility is good for them. It's like, excuse me, if if every time that you did something you regretted, it was under the influence of some sort of hostility or fear, doesn't that mean that hostility or fear kind of makes you a little bit stupid? takes away your intelligence. That's why you're regretting what you did. If you're connected to love, nobody does things they regret when they're really, truly connected to love. And so, but, but it's hard for the, the mind to, uh, to, to make that leap out of the conditioning that, well, I need my hostility to protect me and take care of me to, actually, it makes me kind of stupid and I destroy things from that state. It's, it's, it's uh, it's amazing how the mind can hold on to that when it's so clear how destructive the state is. And Jeannie tells me that we've got a caller. Let's say hello to our caller. Here you have 207. 207, you're on the air. Give us a name. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Fort Lauderdale, actually. Oh, I welcome. Want to say Give us a name. Thanks. My name is Shelley. Oh, hey there, young man. Say... Good to hear your voice. Oh, good to hear yours. First back of all, I want to say thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for that, that job that I know is going to come through, so I'm just waiting for that. Okay, we're holding the space. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. So first, I want to say thank you to you and Jeannie for all the tools you've given me that have changed my life. To get, I've gotten rid of all the, the fear and hostility. It's just it's, it's amazing what happens when you get rid of the fear and the hostility. And, and the the things it has done for me is, is, is what I have learned for me is that it's a constant, it's like that recycling cir- circle that you constantly got to keep recycling all day long, all of your feelings, because stuff comes up, you got to deal with it and, and process it and make it and, and understand it so that it's not them, it's me, and it's something in me that I got to take care of. And now that I know how to do that, that, that used to, I'll say used to, whenever people would offend me that I, I would say were offending me when, when I was in my past life before my rebirth that I would uh, right. I would take that I would take that energy that I was actually sending out to them that they were sending back to me and I would use that energy against them to manifest things in their lives that wasn't good so of course they're going to feel that energy and they're going to come back at me with even more hostility 
So um, now that I've turned that off, and I, I and I only wish for good for people and 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 try and manifest the good things out there. Since I've turned off that fear and hostility in me by using the, all of the above tools, that everybody in my life is different. My my kids reach out to me like crazy now. My girlfriend is embracing me with all of her love. Uh, everybody. Even the people that used to give me hostility and fears are, are just they're nothing but positive and loving to me now. It's just amazing, and I'd like to say thank you for that. Well, we're delighted to be on the team and to be supporting you and having that experience. You know, I think that uh, when you were at the codependence intensive and when you and Shelly did that uh, that responsibility Stacey. communication, or you and Stacy, pardon me, did the responsibility communication, I think it was just. Uh, such an awesome example for everybody in the room to uh, to observe your willingness to drop you know the conversation based in hostility that you know had been going on for a few days and just drop into what was beneath that was I was scared and I mean just to sit there in front of people and own that and to allow yourself to really truly drop into that energy and be supported in healing it was. I think it was just a really, it was one of the highlights to me of the codependence communication practicum intensive uh, and a gift to everybody. So I thank you for that. That was uh, really I, sweet. I thank you. I thank you for, for, for facilitating that. Delighted to be on to, the team, uh, sir. We're, we're, I'm hoping to um, bring my kids kids and Stacy up to, uh, we're hoping to come to Heartland sometime this summer because it's the best money ever spent. Awesome. Spending time learning this, learning all of this. All the above. Delighted. All right. Glad to be on the team. Well, is there anything in the uh, in the work that we can clarify for you today, or any way we can support you? No, I think you've done such a great job in, in clarifying everything for me that that I, I I I think you've done an awesome job at just the teaching that you've already given. It's just been so clear and it's so simple that once you take it in and and, and, and live it, it's so simple. The key, I think, is to well, live it. Well, I'm in full agreement. Yep, full agreement and uh, and glad to be on the team. And we look forward to the next time we get face-to-face. All right, so thank you. Love you guys. Keep in space. All right. All right. All lots right. of love and blessings. Take care. Appreciate the call. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. And beyond that as well, uh, shall we hold the space that that uh, job pops in, comes through, and really serves you well. I think it would be fabulous for you guys to be up around the Cincinnati area teaching uh, forgiveness. That would be awesome. And it would give us an excuse to come up that way a little more. And actually, Jeannie's uh, daughter-in-law looks like she might be getting transferred to that territory. So that would be perfect. So our call-in number, 646-200-4169. If you're in the phone queue and you push one, that puts a hand up so Jean knows you want to speak. If you put a hand up, you'll be first with no waiting. How can we support you? What's on your mind? And nobody's got a hand up, so we'll just move forward and Let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, about laws of living. Of course, we've uh, we've presented the uh, the reality management, the wake up sheet, and uh, 
you know, the tool for waking up from the hostility and fear game into the truth of uh, of living as human beings. And uh, one of the other uh, tools that we present in Laws of Living, uh, we call the uh, uh, word links. And we, we actually have an assignment that we give that helps to establish word links that strengthen the attractiveness of behaviors that are based in love and how to break word links to behaviors that are based in hostility and fear. One of the examples we use in the class, it used to be my my partner's favorite example, former partner who's now passed, who's co-author of Laws of Living, Dan McDougald, and he used to share the story of a a woman in uh, Albany, Georgia, who uh, who ended up in jail over and over and over again. He worked in the prison system, being an attorney, and he took the work into the prison system. And his his awareness of uh, of word links kind of developed in that setting. And he had a woman who uh, who was repeatedly in jail for writing bad checks. And one day he asked her. He said, "What? Well, when you think about a bad check, what?" What comes to mind? What words come to mind? And uh, her response was, oh, jewelry and money. So this woman had a word link that if she writes bad checks, she ends up with jewelry and money. So bad checks were an okay thing for her to do. And he was sitting with her in this uh, smelly jail cell. And he said, well, what if you sit and write for a couple of hours the the words bad check in jail. How do, how do you like being in this jail cell? Well, I don't like this at all. So once she had spent some time writing and just a simple bad check jail, bad check jail, bad check jail, all of a sudden she had no attraction to writing bad checks anymore. Changed the verbal link. And one of the things we, we focus on in Laws of Living is recognizing that uh, that the attractiveness of a particular behavior totally be changed by verbal, emotional, and mental links. And that the strength of any given stimulus can be rearranged very powerfully in the mind. You know, usually the strongest stimulus is the thing that gets somebody rocking. But with verbal links, you can take something that's of no consequence whatsoever and make it very prominent in the mind by linking it to certain words or ideas. And so it's another one of the tools that we offer in how to break the the cycle of negative links and how to strengthen the attractiveness of behaviors that are based in love. And, of course, when we start functioning out of the active presence of love, everything tends to, to change. There's to, a shift takes place. And, as you just heard Shelley saying, you know, instead of the hostility and fear behaviors being attractive, it's like, oh, I can see past why those things are attractive to me and begin to move in the direction of living more lovingly, more like a human being. And so our our work and our goal is to be that space of support for every mind, heart, and being on the planet, understanding precisely how their minds work, and bringing the mind into harmony with the truth of who we are as that sweet presence of love. We're designed for the word go to function out of that. And 
we come in as that presence of love and the world instantly starts to put its thumbprints on us. We tend to lose awareness of our natural state because it's been so overlaid by the hostility, fear of the world that when the hostility and fear become the attractive features, then life leads to difficulty. And when we're able to let go of that and, and to recognize that the letting go process is called forgiveness. Now, the Greeks taught us that forgiveness is about how you did something terrible that caused all this pain inside of me, but it's okay, I'll forgive you. I'll let you off the hook for what's going on inside of me. And of course, if I let you off the hook for something that my body-mind unit is producing, have I done anything to change what my body-mind unit produces? Obviously, nothing whatsoever. And someone who never learns to actually forgive, that is, if they have some sort of a hostility or fear response, then they can expect to live with that response forever until they find the tools with which to remove it. And so our offering is that forgiveness is about how, if I'm in some sort of pain or turmoil, I literally go inside myself and remove, forgive what never belonged. And as you start to build the brain cells for that one, everything changes. Everything turns in the direction once you realize who you are and that you have higher faculties and that the whole process is about moving to the truth of who we are as human beings and redefining words to to their original definitions. That word love is used to describe something we do to each other, but the fact is love is a state of being. It's, it's who and what we are. And when we recognize ourselves as love, then we can function out of that space. And functioning out of that space changes absolutely everything. So we're here to support you changing absolutely everything. And if there's anything we can do to support you with any Specific questions, if you haven't accessed the worksheet yet, you can go to www.whyagain.org. It's whyagain.org. In the middle of the page, you'll see a red and white bullseye. You may have to scroll down a little bit. And as you scroll down, you'll see that bullseye. Click on it, and it'll start to open links for you. Just follow those links and it will walk you right through the whole forgiveness process along with uh, links to at least 16 different radio shows where either Dr. Tim or Gene or I have walked somebody through the whole process. And Jeannie tells me we've got a caller, so let's say hello to our caller. 815. Area code 815, you're on the air. Give us a name. Where are you calling from? Hi. Um, my name is Jerry. I'm calling Welcome. from Woodstock. Oh, cool. Um, so Woodstock, Illinois? Hi. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so my heart is beating out of my chest right now because I'm so scared. Uh, a little a little nervous? That's okay. We're easy yeah. to get along with and none of us bites. We're just here to support you. Okay. Um, but I, I realized uh, I, I've been doing the Mind Center group for a couple of years now, and I've realized lately that to to really be able to use the tools I have to have more support. And so I started listening to the radio show. I mean I I had been told um 
to, to try it many times, and I was just like, nah, I don't know, it doesn't really fit into my lifestyle. But I've been listening for a couple weeks now that I feel like in order for it to really feel like it's a support group for me, I have to be able to call in. So, um, so here I am calling in <laughs> just to show myself well, we're, that well, this we're glad can that be a support group for me. <laughs> Great. We're glad you are in the face of fear coming up, so just step through it and and I might step be out losing feeling in my fingers, but <laughs> okay. um, so, so I do have a question. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and ask the question then. Um, so for me, what I where I've been doing worksheets has been like I get triggered over and over and over again, and then I'm like, uh, okay, I, I need to do a worksheet, and I, I have two young kids at home, so I decide I'll, I'll do this worksheet after I put them to bed in, right. you know, 7, 8 o'clock at night. And right now I feel like I need to, I, I want to be able to do more. I want to be able to get to the feeling when I'm experiencing it. And right. um, the trick, the thing that I'm hoping that I can get some suggestions for is when when I'm at home with the kids and I, I want to work through a worksheet. And then the other thing I'm thinking is a few days ago on the show, you had mentioned the, the power of children seeing me do the worksheet. And they don't ever see yeah. that. They don't see most of the work that I do because it, I usually have to do it after they go to bed. I'm, I'm really right. sound sensitive and I need this quiet space to be able to focus on um, get, in particular, like trying to get the loving thought, I, I really need that quiet space. So, if I could have some tips and and how I could during the day with my kids at home be able to um, be able to go through the worksheet, and even though it's kind of chaotic when they're there, to right. What, what ages are your children? I hear you loud and clear. Uh, what ages are your children? They are three and five. Okay. Perfect. So here would be my suggestion. If you go to the website, you'll see a children's version of the worksheet. And yeah, I have that. It's, it's okay. So I'd, I'd work with the children's version of the worksheet. And have you seen the movie Inside Out yet? Yeah. Okay. Did yes, your children see it? Yes, they have. Great. So you can go to, well, you can do it online or go to Walmart or Target. has. They have dolls of the characters from, uh, from inside out. And, you know, using the metaphor of the control panel that they use in the uh, inside out movie and who's controlling the control panel, you know, you can model for your children forgiveness and you can teach them forgiveness by, you know, let's say one of the children is in anger and you've got the anger doll there and she said, well, gee, you know, uh, I see that you're angry. So here, why don't you hold the anger doll? And, and to, to help them to understand that anger is driven by something, you can speak to them about, you know, if you're angry how and and do this, you know, pick up the anger doll. And, you know, here I am in my anger, and I'm realizing that 
the thing that's bringing up my anger is I want you to do this or I want something to happen. I've got a goal. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just let go of I'm just going to cancel my goal and see what happens. And if you find yourself able to soften by canceling that goal, which is the core of the forgiveness process, then it can be time to just say, well, gee, you know, my anger is disappearing. I'm going to lay the anger doll down, and I'm going to pick up the joy doll. And then with your kids, you know, if they get into upset, you know, there's the sadness doll, the disgust doll, the anger doll, the fear doll. If you see them in anger, then, you know, well, here, it's your turn to hold the anger doll. Kind of make a game out of it. And do you notice that when you're angry like this, that it's because there's something that you want, and so, do you like being angry? And they may say yes or no. And so, well, notice that as long as you keep wanting, you know, you asked me for a cookie and I said, no, not until after lunch, and, and you became upset, notice that the goal to have a cookie is what's behind that. So, how about practicing with me? Would you be willing to cancel the goal to have a cookie right now and just see what happens? And then watch the anger disappear. And then you can reward them with, you know, okay, so let's put the anger doll down now and pick up the joy doll. And you can reward them with the hug as mom and say, you know, awesome, great work. And and they'll start to learn that any time that there's an energy moving in them that creates upset or disturbance, there's always a goal behind it. What an, I mean, I think that this, these dolls and this movie are just an awesome way to teach kids about how their minds work. And so you can make a game out of it. You can make it something fun and interesting. And you can do the same process as they do. And and then, of course, if you do that, don't be too surprised if, you know, somewhere down the road, one of them pipes up, your three-year-old pipes up and says, you know, Mom, it looks like it's time for you to pick up the anger doll or the sadness doll gee, would you like some help? Do you know what the goal is that's driving your anger, Mom? Because they'll do that. They'll help you with it. So that might be a way to approach it and and integrate it in a way that they can understand it and do the process as well. And, you know, I mean, I can't fathom how different my life would have been. I mean, personally, I had an awesome mom. I mean, I don't think anybody could have been there any more for a kid than my mom was there for me. My dad and I had some conflicts, but my mom was just such support. But I can't fathom what my life would have been like if she could have taught me that. Every time I was in some sort of hostility or fear, it was because I held a goal that caused my mind to use hostility to build my perception, and that I could have gotten rid of that. I just can't fathom how different my life would have been. And what a gift to give kids at three and five. And, of course, as you teach it to them, you'll learn it on deeper and deeper levels. So that would be one way you might integrate it with them. Okay, that sounds like a really great idea. So what do I, what would I say when my five-year-old says no to, um, I have asked them before um, if it feels good for him to have the anger um, and he always says, yes, this feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and so, you know, so now what do I say? Be, be with what's true for him. And and then acknowledge to yourself and, you know, model the truth that, you know, 
mom's in anger right now, and you know, sometimes instead of my pain, this anger feels good. And the truth is that anger is always a drug, so you can just take the teaching to another level, and in the same way that alcohol is a drug, anger is a drug, and gee, it feels better than being with my pain. And so acknowledge that, and then acknowledge that, and you know, Sometimes I've done the same thing. I want to hold on to my anger. And that can be a place where then you can model how you realize that the reason you're holding on to the anger is because underneath it there's some sadness you don't want to feel perhaps or some hurt that you don't want to feel. And so by you expressing and being able to speak those things, your children can start to understand how anger it acts like an anesthetic, you know. If you ask most people that have got pain going on if they're willing to give up their drug, most people are going to say, no, I want my drug because I feel better. But as they learn that they can get rid of whatever the pain is about, then they'll go to another level and to another space. That would be my input. So just honest conversation and you know, maybe acknowledge that, yeah, sometimes I want to hold on to mine too. Give them examples or, or, or be in, you know, when you're in the middle of it and then and then model for them. And even though I want this, I realize it's not healthy for me. You know, you can even start to, to teach them a little bit about physiology at that age. You know, there's a thing when you get angry, a chemical that develops in the body called cortisol. And, you know, And it's not too early for them to learn those words. And that's something that destroys cells. It eats your cells. And so that's what anger does to us, teach them what it does. And so while I may not be feeling my pain, I'm damaging myself. So am I willing to let go of damaging myself and temporarily feel my pain so I can work through it? And as you develop that understanding with them, and, you know, they're probably, you know, they probably come from a thousand or more generations of people who liked holding on to their anger. And so they may not make that shift instantly. You have to build brain cells. You can go back to Yeshua when he says, you've got to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Time to be able to make new choices. And as you keep languaging and talking, you know, the major driver or the major control mechanism for the human mind is words. And so as you speak words of healing and speak words of understanding the things that you're learning at their level, and there's actually uh, Julie Haverstick, and uh, you know, I don't know whether she's out there. She might be able to put her hand up. She might have some thoughts for you too. Julie was a, uh, a school teacher in the inner city Dayton uh, school system, like some pretty rough schools, you know, schools where kids would come in, they're hungry in the morning, they're bleeding or they're bruised from beatings that they took that morning, that sort of thing, that kind of a school system. And she took these tools into the school system and worked with little kids with it. And, yep, it takes time for them to learn and to understand. But as they do, is, is Julie with us, team? No, but Maureen has something to share with you. Oh, okay. Maureen, you're there with us? Um, yes, uh, hello, I, I, I'm here, I was just uh, chatting in the chat room and I um, was telling uh, Jeannie that, 
you know, I, I could re- re- relate to uh, that that caller, and I uh, um, uh, Jeannie reminded me of the story of when we were on a trip and my daughter lost her hat and was very sad and angry about it and did not want to let go. And then, you know, finally, you know, um, you know, I said, "Well, do you want to sit down and and be sad about this?" And then we talked about the movie, and she was. You know, you know, we sat down for about you know ten minutes, uh, you know, up to twenty minutes, and she you know worked through it and was able to to let it go. So it you know it really does work in in the real world. Um, sometimes it takes you know more time you know just sitting with the kid than we want to spend, but you know if we're patient with it, then it will work. Cool. And Maureen's been in particular working with the uh with the movie and and the dolls with kids. Any any more to share with our caller, Maureen? Um, I was just you know, uh, reminded of that. Um, you know, I, I, I got triggered the other day to, to anger and you know, I had to go give myself a time out. Um, so, you know, sometimes I'm a adult, it's like, well, mommy's being triggered right now, and, and she's full on in her rage, and so I'm going to go to my room and, and take a little time out, and I came out, and my five-year-old goes, oh, mommy, how are your worksheets? So, awesome. and, and, yeah, and, and uh, so I, I still do get triggered, and and it's triggering to me because I'm like, why am I still getting triggered? But then I re- realize we heal in layers. Um, but, you know, it, it, um, you know, they also tell me, well, you don't heal as quite as much anymore. I'm like, I, I'm going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> and uh, so. Awesome. Maureen? Yes. Didn't you also one time, and uh, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else, that their child was, like, angry, and so you took them by the hand, and you were like, okay, let's go on a trip in their mind. Was that you? Someone else, maybe, um, and they held their child by the hands, and they, uh, you know, I don't remember whether it was the beach or where, and, and they did this visual of taking their child to this peaceful place, you know, where would you like to go? Okay, let's imagine going there. You know, what does the sand feel like? And, and you know, it took like five or ten minutes to go on this mental trip, too. And then the child was calm and, and ready to sit down and actually talk about what was their issue. Because while they were angry and it was in their face, they couldn't talk about it. But that was a way of getting them to calm down as well. Oh, uh, no, I, I, I've not done that, but I, I'm starting to, to read more about that uh, visual I- imagery. But, you know, no, I, that, um, I, it, that wasn't me, unfortunately. But I am learning to um, uh, mention a, a happy place because my daughter will be like, I need a happy place. And so I tell her, okay, think about basketball because she loves basketball. Right. Awesome. Julie has a tool in her book and, you know, she's basically worked up a whole curriculum for parents, grandparents, and teachers to work with kids with these tools. And her book is called Healing Children, Loving Children. It is available on the website. But one of the other tools that she has, as opposed to a timeout, is she has a love chair in her classroom. 
And she would teach the kids that if they're feeling bad, if they're feeling angry, if they're feeling mad, that they can ask for support. So she would have kids who'd come into the classroom, you know, had a bad morning at home, um, maybe got beaten up or, you know, whatever, yelled at. And they'd come in, and the first thing they'd do is ask if they could sit in the love chair. And the whole classroom would focus on them. I'm wondering if um, if my child was in a bad mood and I suggested a love chair to him that it would not be rewarding his bad mood. If you if you language about healing, you know, I, I I'll offer you this: you will never fail your child by offering them love, no matter what's going on for them. Now. If you say, oh, you're feeling bad, let's go get some candy, different game. That's rewarding uh, poor behavior. But if you explain to a child that the, the, the healing power of the active presence of love and that you can provide that to him or her and he or she can provide that to you and you can support each other in it, whenever there is some form of hostility or fear happening, if somebody in the space can hold the active presence of love, what if in the mind? I lost there for a minute. So whatever peeks out from under the surface that's hiding in the mind that's based in hostility or fear, if someone in the space is actually holding to conscious, active, present love, that hostility or fear will begin to dissolve and disappear. So I I promise you will always be successful and always win if you can offer your child the presence of love and and create a space for them anytime they're feeling, you know, when they get to understand, instead of as the world does it, blame everybody else, you made me mad, when they can start to see, you know, when mom says, as Maureen just shared, gee, you know, I'm having a tough time, I'm angry right now, I'm going to go and have some time out, I'm going to go and do some worksheets to model ownership, then when the child learns that, oh, if I'm feeling bad, I just need to ask for support and love, and somebody's going to do that for me. What a gift to give. Instead of, you know, what the world does is the, the, the parent, because oftentimes the parent has the same energetic patterns as the child, the child learned them from and inherited them from the parent. Oftentimes the, the child is angry, so the parent goes into anger, and they just bounce off of each other and create a downward cycle, a promise I don't know what's happening. My phone seems to be cutting out, but uh, I apologize. We are down to the last few seconds, so I'm going to have to close the show out. But if uh, if it's appropriate, let's continue this conversation tomorrow. Monday. In the meantime, or on Monday, pardon me. In the meantime, have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. 
For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. Evolving continuously.